you ladies for that beautiful song. Great song service. I don't know how Brother Caleb comes up with all these crazy ways of singing songs, but I like it. Amen. Substituting words for crazy sounds. If you ever try to put that to sheet music, I want to see how that works. Psalm 1, can you believe it's the last chapel of the year? It's hard to believe. Seems like we just got started. Seems like we just got started. Last week of school, my goodness. How many of you are excited about this being last week of school? Raise your hand. All right, put your hands down. How many of you are bummed out? You're just like completely just in a deep state of depression. Several parents. Several parents. Oh, my goodness. Living the good life. Um, I'm going to ask you parents if you have the uh, church app on your phone or what are the church uh, Facebook on your, share the chapel service if you don't mind. It's the last chapel of the year and I'm going to do my best to try and conclude a series I started at the beginning of the year and throughout the school year we dealt with this thought about being planted. It was the verse, the theme for the year. It should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and uh, so that was what we started out the year with. And uh, it's a joy to have my wife and my uh, two daughters and my son and what I was going to get to, my grandson in chapel this morning. I had to do all that other stuff to make everybody feel good. Hold him up, Marissa. Stand up hold him up. This is my new grandson. This is Brother Nathan and Miss Marissa's baby, James Landon. Just overload of cuteness over there. I might get distracted if I'm preaching, lose my train of thought. If I do, just pray for me. What was I talking about? I'm just kidding. Psalm 1, are you there? Stand with me, please. Psalm chapter 1, we're just going to read the first few verses and uh, jump right back into this, do a quick two-second review, and then give you the message for the hour. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Lord, help us this morning, I pray, uh, to be able to put all these verses together in, in, in our hearts. Lord, would you paint a picture and create within our hearts a desire, Lord, to be planted. Is our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Quick review, I had eight pages of notes. I did not print them out and bring them up here or I would have been tempted to read them or run through them and don't have time. We have a student of the month today, right? That's why we got so many parents and grandparents here. Student of the month, all right. So let me just share with you the message and then we'll get to that. But this morning, we just wanna recap. The first point that we looked at in this series was the discipline of the godly. You find that in verse number one. Blessed is the man, or we could say, or woman, or teenager, or child. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And we preached a series of messages just on verse one, talking about how that a child of God, a Christian, is supposed to be different. A lot of people say, I don't understand why people's looking at me funny. They're making fun of me because I'm a Christian. It's because you're different. All right, and society looks at people funny when they are different. Uh, sometimes it's okay and sometimes it's rude, but the truth of the matter is as Christians, we're supposed to be different. 
That means we act different, we conduct ourselves different, we have different agendas, we have different goals in our life, we have a different group of people that we hang around, we've got a different philosophy, we have a different worldview. Everything about Christians is different from the world. That's why he said, come out from among them and be separate. That's why he said in 1 John, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There's something about being a Christian that makes us different. We're set apart. Bible word would be sanctified, set apart. And so when you get to the book of Psalms, David, of course, was a man, the Bible says, after God's own heart. And we get that in chapter one, verse one, because he starts out this chapter saying that if you're going to be godly, and if you're going to be a, a Christian, you're going to have to exercise some discipline by leaving certain people alone. Stand not in the walk, not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You're gonna to have to have discipline to do that. There's gonna be times when you have to recognize that a relationship is not beneficial, it is toxic, it is destructive, it's causing you to struggle with your faith, it's causing you to struggle to be committed as a Christian, and you're gonna to have to choose that friend over God. You're gonna to to make a decision, choosing that friend or God, I should say. And at, the, at that point, it's gonna be difficult, but it'll be one of the best decisions you've ever made in your life. Well, just walk away. Or, as been in my case many times, just live for God and then they will walk away, all right? Uh, it kind of takes care of itself. We see the discipline of the godly in verse one. In verse two, we see the delight of the godly, all right? I, I, I know that here in our Christian school, you enjoy having fun. I think tomorrow is supposed to be a lot of fun from what I hear. We're expecting just boxes and boxes of fun to be dropped off today from Amazon and we're just gonna unload it tomorrow and we're just gonna have all kinds of fun. Just open up fun and, and activities and, and dunk booths and games and activities and we're just gonna have fun. And so there's nothing wrong with fun. There's nothing wrong with being delighted. There's nothing wrong with uh, enjoying life. Here's the problem. A lot of people are getting their fun and their delight from the wrong places. All right? What is the delight of the godly? It's in verse two. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Look at me, I'm holding it up. This is the book, the word of God right here. You say, well, that's not very delightful to me. Well, then you're probably not godly. The godly delight in the law of God. This book right here motivates and stirs and encourages. I want all of you young people to quit talking and listen to me. I can see you talking. Pay attention. We see that the delight of the godly is the word of God and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You're continually thinking about the things of God, what God said, what God wants, what God expects, what God's plan is for your life, what, what God's wanting to do in your life. We, we're, we're sitting here today, a lot of you are sitting here today and you're excited about what we're going to do tomorrow. You're excited about what Brother Payne has organized for tomorrow. You're excited at the prospects of tomorrow and all the fun you're gonna have. Can I tell you something? That's the way a Christian looks at God. What is God gonna do today? What is God going to supply for me today? What is God going to work? What kind of miracles is he gonna work? What has God got in store for me? What is God's plan for my life? It's a completely different way of thinking than the world, but the delight of the godly is in the word of God, the will of God, and the ways of God. Is everybody still with me? So we saw the discipline of the godly, the delight of the godly. I've already preached on all of that. But the, this morning, I want to deal with number three, the description of the godly. The description 
of the godly, and we find that in verse number three. Now, nobody in their right mind would try to preach all of verse number three in one message, but I'm gonna cram it in here. I've got four, five, six subpoints. If you wanna write these down, let's jump right into verse number three because he's now describing the godly, and we see, first of all, the picture. He likens the, the, the godly, the, the child of God, he likens the believer to a tree, a tree. What is it about a tree that is significant? Well, a tree is strong, it's solid. You ever seen a, you ever seen a car crash where a car is going down the road 50, 60 miles an hour and hits a tree? What happens? Uh, the car stops, cr crushed, the whole front of the car smashed in, and guess what, the tree's still standing there going, um, I think something just hit me. I'll never forget when I was laying in the bed one night reading and I heard this horrible crash when I was living in South Carolina. I heard this unbelievable crash, just this, it's like an explosion in my front yard. And I put my boots on, I ran out the side, ran down the driveway. And um, I got down there and an 18-wheeler had run off the road and ran into a tree on the side of the road. Hit that tree so hard it broke the top of it out and it fell on top of the truck. And I'll tell that story later if somebody will remind me. It's a long story. It was an amazing story. I crawled up in there and helped keep that man alive till the paramedics could get there because the whole seat, his whole seat was shoved forward. It was one of those big old 18-wheelers and his throat was pushed up against the steering wheel and his legs were broken, his arms were broken, his jaw was broken, his, rip, his hip was sticking out. I mean, it was, he was just destroyed. He was crushed. But that tree, if you go by Tigerville, that tree's still there. It's got a little scar on the side, but that tree's still there. He would be like a tree, meaning you'll be able to withstand the pressures, you'll be able to handle uh, the impacts, you'll be able to, to take all the things that come at you, a tree. And he contrasts the godly with the ungodly by using the analogy of a tree compared to verse four, but the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff, the chaff. Some of you know what I'm talking about when I say chaff, but you've seen the pictures where they used to take the wheat or the barley, and they would throw it up in the air. They had those threshing floors. They would take the barley and the wheat, and they would throw it on the, on the threshing floor. It was really hard-packed dirt that they would use to process it. We would, today, it would be more like a concrete slab. They didn't have concrete back then, but it would be a threshing floor. And they'd take that barley and that wheat, throw it down, and they would beat it with sticks, and all the barley and all the wheat would fall off of the stems, and then they would take these pitchfork-looking things and they would throw it up in the air and, the, and the, the barley or the wheat or whatever they were, they were harvesting would fall back down on the ground, but the wind would carry all that little, the little holes and the little shells. You know, sometimes you eat peanuts and it's got that little bitty, uh, that little red thin layer on it and you, you spit that out because that's not good. That's, that's, that's like the chaff. So he's contrasting the godly and the ungodly. Here's the comparison, a tree to that little chaff that the wind carries away. That's a big difference, big difference. Tree, strong, stable, uh, uh, mature, uh, established, able to stand alone without help as opposed to that chaff that's just carried by the wind. So the picture of the godly, the description of the godly is that of a tree. We could just preach and preach and preach about trees and all the benefits of trees. They cut down trees and they make boards and build houses with them and they use trees for firewood and they take wood from the trees and they build furniture. Brother uh, Roth has built two beautiful track racks and we're gonna hang them up in here in the foyers in just a few days and that was coming from the oak tree and that, that's, that's beautiful furniture. 
All these things that come from a tree. A tree has a lot to offer, something of substance, something of value, something of worth, and yet the chaff is absolutely worthless. You ever seen anybody go in the store and buy a box of chaff? No. It's worthless. So no value. So we see the description is that of the tree. We see the picture. Secondly, we see the promise. I like this part. The Bible says he shall be. He shall be like a tree. He didn't say in verse one and two that if you have the right friends and the right company and get the right counsel and stay in the right places and avoid the wrong places and, and love the word of God and delight in the word of God and meditate on the word of God, uh, that then maybe possibly your life will turn out okay. That's not what he said. He said it shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. We live in a day and age where people are just looking for some kind of something to put their hope and their faith and their trust and looking for assurance. But can I tell you something? This is a promise from God now the devil will make you promises the problem is he's a liar he's a liar the devil will say oh do this and you'll have a great time uh, 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 drink this and you'll just I mean you see these beer commercials and the beer running down the side of the glass and, and you see all these young people all these people uh, riding around fly, uh, on this yacht or, 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 or sports cars or sitting around having a great time and all getting drunk and, and all that thing he, he'll make it look good but it's really a lot of just false advertising God cannot lie. When God says he shall be like a tree, you can take it to the bank. We see the promise. The picture of the promise. Number three, we see the planting. I like the word planting. I like the word planted. That's our theme for the whole year was planted. What an amazing theme for an amazing school year where we had a lot of opposition. We had a lot of things to we had to deal with this year. A lot of adversities, a lot of conflicts, a lot of, a lot of things that the normal school doesn't have to deal with. In fact, it was so complicated, it was so hard, it was so difficult that most of the schools just didn't open because they didn't want to deal with it. But our staff and our teachers and our church decided to go ahead and fight the storms and deal with the issues and work through it. And I'm telling you something, you know, you know what got us through this year? We're standing here last week of the school. You all know why? Because we were planted. Planted. Think about that. Think about it. And so that word planted is important to me because it demonstrates a plan and a purpose from God. When you think about something that has been planted, it was put there deliberately. It was put there on purpose. Planted is a deliberate act done by a specific person for a specific purpose and a plan. God knows what he's doing, but you have to let God be the one doing the planting. We want to plant ourselves, don't we? By the way, that's not how that works. Have you ever seen a, seen a seed plant itself? No. When I was little, we used to buy the seeds in the little envelopes. We'd go down to the Walmart or the feed and seed or whatever. How many of y'all have done that? Flower seeds and and fruit seeds or whatever, and vegetable seeds. You go get the little packet, and you open it up, and it's this little bitty tiny seed, and you go, oh my goodness. You put that thing in the dirt and water it in a little while, you got a plant, you got all kind of good stuff, good groceries coming from that thing. But I've never seen a seed plant itself. I've never seen a seed crawl out of one of those little packets and say, I think I'm gonna go over here, and I'm gonna grow right over here by this bush. I think I'm gonna grow right over here by this tree. I wanna grow over here. No, that's not how that works. They have to be planted by someone bigger and smarter. And can I tell you something? A child of God has to allow God to plant them and put them where he wants them to be. They let him be the one to make the decision. 
If I had planted myself, I probably would not be in Baltimore, Maryland. It never crossed my mind to move from South Carolina to Baltimore, Maryland. That never crossed my mind. I wasn't laying in the bed one night saying, I'd like to live somewhere exciting and different, somewhere exotic. Let's see. Any, many, many, mo. Baltimore, here we go. No. God literally reached down and pulled us up by the roots, Miss Grace, did he not? And stuck us in Dundalk. I'm glad he did. He'd done that before. He had pulled us up when we were living in Deering, Georgia, at 188 McGahee Avenue, and stuck us over in Bloemfontein, South Africa. He pulled us up from Bloemfontein, South Africa, by the roots, and stuck us in Tigerville, South Carolina. We were there eight years, and then God brought us here almost seven years ago. What am I saying? I'm saying that the godly lets God plant them and put them where he wants them to be. By the way, he knows where you need to be and where you will thrive and flourish. And look what it says. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers, plural, of water. He'll put you by not one, but plural, rivers of water. Multiple sources of life and sustenance and a good place where you can do great. Let God plant you, hey, and let God pick the rivers that you're planted beside. God has a plan. Let God plant you. Let God put you where he wants you to be. Number four, we see the productivity. The productivity. Bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Boy, God loves fruit. I love fruit. How many of you like fruit? Raise your hand. You love fruit. I love fruit. I'm on a diet. Okay, I'm on a diet. I'm trying to lose a few pounds right here around the middle. And I'm on this carnivore diet. Several of us are on it. Carnivore diet. That means just meat. Just meat. Meat. Three times a day, meat. All you can eat, meat. Protein, meat. No bread, no desserts, no vegetables. And the worst part for me is no fruit. Just for, just for a few weeks to kind of get your system kind of going, hey, what's going on here? You know, start nibbling away at all this reserve I got built up here. But I said, I love fruit. I love fruit. I love fruit. I could eat a mango right now that big around. Strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, oh, bananas. Oh, my goodness. Apples, oranges, tangerines, peaches. Oh, I love peaches. Watermelon. Oh, anybody getting hungry yet? I could go the rest of my life and never eat another piece of bread or a cake or pie. But I love fruit. Guess what? God loves fruit. Did you know he talked about producing fruit twice in Genesis 1? Did you know that John chapter 15 says, Herein is the Father glorified when we bear much fruit. God wants you to produce fruit. You want to, show, you want to know how you can show God how much you love him. You want to know, uh, it's funny because when we have, sometimes we take something to somebody that's sick or we have guests and we do something special for them, we take them a fruit basket. Y'all ever seen those fruit baskets at the store? It's got apples and oranges and bananas and it's wrapped up in a little basket. And you take it, it's got a little cluster of grapes right there on the top and just beautiful. Can I tell you what God likes from you? A fruit basket. <laughs> he wants you to be productive. Produce. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. 
But we see that the productivity of the godly, God's glorified when we bear fruit. He mentions it a lot in the scriptures. Get to heaven, there's a big old tree, fruit tree, the coolest fruit tree ever in heaven that bears 12 different manners of fruit on the same tree, a different fruit every month. Isn't that awesome? Imagine going to that tree and getting apples for a month and the next month you go there and you get pineapples. So pineapples don't grow on trees. I know, but other fruit don't grow on the same tree either, so who knows what's gonna happen. There's probably gonna be fruit in heaven we've never even tasted or heard of or had. And there won't be any worms in it. You know what's worse than finding a worm in your apple? Finding half a worm in your apple. Oh yeah. You know that's true. Number five, we see the perseverance. The perseverance. Look at this, his leaf also shall not wither. There'll be no time of deadness or dryness, and no, no, no ugly testimony. Those leaves on that tree is a testimony. My wife loves the fall when the colors start to change and those beautiful green leaves start turning yellow and orange and red. She loves it, always has. Now her dad's colorblind and he hates the fall. He says everything looks gray and everything looks brown and everything looks dead. He hates the fall, but I love the fall. Miss Grace loves the fall. We just take pictures and the trees turn. Can I tell you something? But a child of God, God's tree does not, the leaf does not wither. They stay green and flourishing and they're always productive and they always have a great testimony and they're always appealing to other people. Come and get what I've got and come see what God's done for me. Leaves on the outside of the tree are an indication of what's going on on the inside of the tree. Anybody knowing from science class why the leaves change on a tree? Why do they go from green to yellow to, to orange? Why? Eugene, you got your hand up or are you scratching your neck? You're scratching your neck. He went, oh, my neck's itching. I think I'll just do this. Uh, you know why the leaves change? Because that sap in there starts to go down. The inside, something's happening on the inside, and it starts being manifested on the outside. Can I tell you something? A godly child of God, their leaf shall not wither. By the way, you know what else that happens with the leaves? The leaves is what produces the food, right? What's it called? When it takes the sunlight and transforms it into food. Some of y'all say that big old long word. Photosynthesis. Look at y'all smart as a Hampshire hog. Photosynthesis. The leaf doesn't wither, meaning that tree never runs out of food and nutrients and nutrients. I'm telling you right now, the godly is likened and described as a tree that leaf never withers. And lastly, I love this point and I'm done. We see the prosperity. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Whatsoever you do shall prosper. Did y'all learn that story, hear that story when you were in school and you're still in school? Did you hear that story about Midas and the golden, say it, touch? Right. Everything he touched turned to gold. He thought it would be awesome. And then, you know, he went to eat his oatmeal and his oatmeal turned to gold and Went to put his clothes on, his clothes turned to gold. Went to blow his nose and his Kleenex turned to gold. And it's like, this isn't cool. We've talked about people having the Midas touch. Everything they touch turns to gold. They have the Midas touch. The world looks at the people in the world that have money and have nice houses, nice cars. They say, oh man, I want to be like them. They're so prosperous. Here's the problem. That's not the kind of prosperous that God's talking about in Psalm chapter number one. 
This leaf, his leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper, meaning it meets God's definition of prosperity, which is far greater than this. I know some very prosperous people, they're not rich. They don't drive new cars. They don't have big mansions on the hill. They don't have big boats and big RVs and nice motorcycles and golf carts and all that stuff. They don't really have a lot of nice stuff, but they're very prosperous. Very prosperous. I want to challenge you young people. Be planted. Let God plant you, meaning let God put you where he wants you to be and let God supply your need and make God the center and focus of your life. Most people will spend their whole life miserable and unhappy because they refuse to let God plant them. We're where we're at today because God, I believe, planted us. I wouldn't trade places with the richest people in the world right now. I mean, I am just absolutely blown away at how good God's been to me. A lot of people would look at me and they wouldn't think I was very prosperous. But I'll be honest with you. God's allowed me to do things I never thought possible. God's used me in ways I never imagined. God's allowed me to bless and influence other people. And he wants to do the same thing with you if you'll let him. All right.